Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at haciaworks.org. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. Nerdette is a show where we talk to your favorite or soon-to-be favorite people. This week, we're doing something a little different. Think of it as like a podcast listening party. We are going to chat with Shannon Kaysen and then listen to his WBEZ podcast. It is called The Trouble. Shannon, welcome to Nerdette. Hey, what's going on, Greta? Not a lot. How are you doing? You know, I'm living. I'm living. I'm doing my thing. (laughs) That's the spirit. So tell me a little about The Trouble. For people who haven't heard it, what is the deal? The Trouble is talking to people. So as an interview show, I've talked to people who've gotten in trouble. Maybe they're still in trouble. And we talk it out. You know, I, I, I tell stories and most of my stories, I try to be honest and and many times in life you get in trouble, at least in my life. And I'll try to be honest with people and hopefully they'll be honest back and we'll talk it out. And you guys are back with a new season. There's a recent episode that caught my eye, especially because it's about the gender pay gap. It's called mm-hmm. 79 cents because, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with that statistic that like the typical woman makes 79 cents on the dude's dollar. And uh, I wonder, I was curious, before we actually listened to this episode, how much did you know about the gender pay gap before you did this interview? I mean, I knew about it from all the conversations about it, you know, yeah. and all the, all the different uh, things in the news. And also just from talking, a lot of women's issues have been in the, in the media right now. And I talked to people about it. I even talked to my mother who worked for for, you know, a big company for a long time as a secretary, you oh. know, and she told me she saw her, her male boss's check one day, which is her boss, but they had put the wrong envelope. So they gave her oh. his check and she said she opened it and thought she had went to heaven. Oh God. She, <laughs> I said, I said, Ma, was it that much? Oh. She said it was that much. <laughs> it was like what she made in a year was in his check. Oh I was my like, God. okay, oh, you know, so, so, I mean, he was her boss, but at the same time, yeah, I'm sure that that carries over into a lot of things, you know. For sure. Okay. So that I feel like sets the tone really well. Let's listen to this episode and then Shannon, you and I can chat afterwards. Okay. We're back now with a powerful message issued today by one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, Jennifer Lawrence, opening up about her reaction when she learned that her male co-stars were being paid a lot more than she was. While she Today's story is about equality. Women earn about 80 cents for every dollar men make. It's about right and wrong. It's a little more than $10,000 less per year. Uh, speaking up, speaking out. 
$400,000 in lost earnings over the course of their careers and 74 weeks worth of groceries. Now, it's about integrity and the burden of seeking justice. At this rate, it will be 44 more years until pay is equal between men and women in America, even longer for African American and Hispanic women, a lot longer. The issue here but is most importantly, it's about taking a stand. Patricia Arquette spoke out about wage equality at the Oscars this year. It's our time to have wage equality once and for all and equal rights for women in the United States of America. Imagine you find out you're being paid less than you deserve, less than you're worth, less than your male colleagues. But here's the thing. You're not Patricia Arquette or Jennifer Lawrence. You don't have millions of Twitter followers or millions of dollars. You don't have a podium or a microphone. What would you do? Would you try to speak up? Would you risk your livelihood to fight for what's right? Today's story is about a woman like that. I think that was the first time I considered that the choices I made as a mother and as a woman in the workplace would affect other girls. She's a mathematician, a mother of three, and lives a few hours north of Hollywood, north of the fame, the studios, the flashing lights, in Fresno. From WBZ Chicago, this is The Trouble with Shannon Kaysen. I'm Shannon Kaysen. On The Trouble, I talk to people who've been in serious trouble or are still in it. Today, that person is Aileen. So, I've never talked to a mathematician before <laughs> that I know of. I may have talked to many that I, I don't know. Uh, when did you decide you wanted to be a mathematician? I was probably in a junior high school because that's where I had a teacher that kind of took an interest in me and, and really revealed to me the talent that I think she saw in me. Aileen Rizzo lives in Fresno, California with her husband and her three daughters. Her love of math, even from a young age, is clear. I was really quiet in school, and so I would never raise my hand or anything. But I remember the teacher asking me what answer I got and how I got that answer. In a very nurturing way, she kind of revealed to my classmates that I was good at math. And so my classmates started coming to me to help them do their math homework. And that really boosted my confidence. I remember even earlier on in kindergarten, the teacher told my parents at the parent-teacher conference, oh, Aileen finished her math book. She won't have math the rest of the year. And so from kindergarten on, Aileen took her aptitude and enthusiasm for math and pursued it. She double majored in math and education in college and then got a job as a high school math teacher. And in many ways, Aileen beat the odds. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> but seriously, it doesn't take a mathematician to know that when it comes to math, there often aren't many women at the table. 
when I was there at the moment, I didn't really see myself as odd or, or breaking, you know, the common stereotype. I just found something I liked and I was doing it and I didn't really care about were other people like me doing it. But when I look back, I, I do see that, you know, I was the only girl a lot of times or, you know, there weren't a lot of people like me doing that. Aileen taught math in a classroom for 13 years, but she eventually decided that she wanted to do something different. So she applied for a job as a math consultant at the Fresno County Office of Education. And that's really where this story begins. What does a what does a math consultant do? <laughs> We taught teachers math classes, so like professional development. And then we also were mentors, so we would go visit their classroom, watch them do math lessons, give them feedback. It was all about really working with teachers to strengthen their math pedagogy and knowledge. Did you like doing that? Was that something you enjoyed? Yeah, I loved it. I really, I really enjoyed it. Aileen spent the next four years at the county office in that position. It was the perfect job for her. She couldn't have asked for a better fit. But this is the trouble. So you know something's got to go wrong right about now. So tell me about the day that you found out something wasn't right. So it was July 31st, 2012. It was um, in the afternoon. We had had a business lunch with the rest of the math department and we had met with some university professors and uh, we were working on a math grant and uh, the meeting was over and everyone had gone their way except for the county office math department. We were still sitting around the table, which was me, the only woman, and then three other males. And one of the males had just signed on to work full time with the county office and he told the other males, uh, I just signed my contract and they gave me step nine. And there's a 10-step salary scale, so it starts at 1 and ends at 10. And when I heard him say he start, he signed it at 9, I remember just being so shocked. And kind of like almost time stopped for me there. And I heard the other males say, really, step 9, that's great. And, and they congratulated him. And then one of them turned to me and said, hey, Aileen, are you still climbing steps? And... That was my fourth year there. So to say, ask if I was still climbing steps meant that I started nowhere near nine. And um, I couldn't even mouth uh, an answer. I remember I just nodded my head saying yes because I, I was still shocked with what, what information I had just learned. What step were you at that time? I was at four because I had started at one. Okay. And I was just trying to figure out how it happened. Like, right away, it was a problem that I was trying to solve. Why am I at four? And it was because that I had worked with him previously that I knew that when I had come to the county office, I had my master's degree, and he didn't have one. And I knew that, you know, seniority, I'd been there for already, this was going to be my fourth year, and, and I had more experience. So I had been a teacher longer so I was thinking, well, how did this happen? And I think that question was just ringing in my head, like, how is that even possible? You were still putting the question together in a sense. Yeah, completely. And I, I described it to someone asked me, how did you feel? And I said, well, I felt like I was part of like this picture. And then someone just tore me out of it. 
because I felt like I was part of that math department in equal footing. Even though I was the only woman, I never like looked at that as anything that would impact who I was or the work I did. And for the first time, it was just like, wait a minute, I thought I was sitting at the table, but I'm actually not. Now, what was the difference between a step nine and a step four? What was the difference in between what you were making and what your your male colleagues was making? It was about a $13,000 difference. Hmm, significant. Right. How did it make you feel about yourself, your own self-worth and your position? I, I felt really bad to get praise after that because then I wasn't making the same amount of money. It felt really bad to be able to do work that he couldn't do because he didn't understand the math. So you were directing him in some ways sometimes on some of the, because you had more experience. Right, exactly. And his experience was with elementary mathematics and I had been a high school and middle school teacher. So just by default, I had a, a mathematics bachelor's of science degree and he didn't have that. So those kind of things started hitting at the core of who I was, and that happened over time. So you find out this information. What do you decide to do about it? Well, I, I wrestled it with it for like 24 hours, like a whole day went by, and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my husband. I just kind of wrestled with the whole question of how it happened. And, and I came to a point where I said, okay, well, I think it's just a mistake. And I finally convinced myself, this is just a mistake and it can be fixed. And that's all that this could be. So I decided to talk with the HR administrator and I made an appointment with her. And um, in my mind had convinced myself she's going to fix it because that's the only way to justify it, that it was just a mistake. So I went to her office and I started telling her how I found out and what the information was. And she said, well, we we used a formula to set your salary. Did anyone ever explain that to you? And I said, no. And she said, well, we have a formula and we take your previous salary and we add 5% to it. And she said, your salary was so low, but we still gave you step one. And she said it to me like I should be grateful, like you still got step one, even though your salary was so low. When she said that, she was acting like it was going to be over, like I was going to stand up and walk away. And I looked at her and I said, but there's an Equal Pay Act that says you can't pay a man and a woman different or the woman less for the same job. And that's exactly what's happening here. And she looked at me and she, I think she saw the seriousness of my eyes, like I wasn't going to give up. And she uh, got out a notepad and she said, okay, well, let me write some of these facts down. And she said, give me a week to investigate this and I'll get back to you. And that week turned into two weeks and she called me and said, I need more time. But when we got to three weeks, she didn't call me and I called her, but no answer and then no answer to emails. And so when it got up to past four weeks, I wrote an email and I said, maybe I need to find some legal recourse because what I thought would be quickly resolved is taking a lot longer. And so she called me on the phone and said, we have a letter for you. Uh, You can pick it up or we could drop it in the mailbox. And I told her, I'll come and pick it up. When I got into the department, she met me before I got to her office door, and she handed me a letter and then quickly turned and and walked away. 
And, and that alone told me what was in that letter. The letter just said, you know, we're not going to change your placement on the salary scale. This is the way our policy works, and we know you feel slighted, but that's, that's the way it's going to be. They said, you know, this is all that's going to be done for you, and we cannot talk to you about this issue anymore. So all the doors kind of closed on me at that moment, and um, as I was driving home, I remember thinking, well, maybe I should go get another job, or I, I didn't know what I was going to do because I was the sole breadwinner of my family. We had two little girls, and I thought about what I would be risking if I tried to do something legal. Could they get upset and I could lose my job and then I'd have to find another one? Should I just take the initiative of finding another job first? Either either that or I would have to just stay there and accept that reality that I was going to get less money for the same work. But I remember when I got to my door and um, my girls ran to the door and uh, they, they greeted me like they did every day. Except that day I remember thinking, what what if this was them? What if what if it was them getting paid less for the same work when they when they had already worked so hard in their field? I think that was the first time I considered that the choices I made as a mother and as a woman in the in the workplace would affect other children or other girls and my own daughters. So I think that that moment for me coming home really solidified that I was going to fight this because I knew that if I didn't, that the world I left to them would treat them the same way. You wanted to be a role model for them? Yeah, definitely. I wanted them to see that when there was injustice, that you should stand against it. Yeah. You're listening to a special presentation of The Trouble with Shannon Kaysen Omnerdet. More from this story in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. We left off with Aileen finding out that HR wasn't willing to address the situation. So she decided to take legal action. First step, finding a lawyer. So my husband worked on that because I was at work, and so he did some research. And once we found someone that we could trust, then we just moved forward with whatever we could do with the legal action. And I falsely assumed that 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 would be enough, that writing a demand letter and sending it to my employer was going to be enough and that they would just, you know, fix everything. 
In October 2012, three months after Aileen sat at that lunch, stunned with her male colleagues, her lawyer sent a demand letter to the Fresno County Office of Education, and then Aileen waited. Finally, the county office replied to the demand letter and said they were not going to change anything. So Aileen needed to move to the next step, a more serious step. She needed to sue her employer. I think I was nervous. I was a little bit of fearful, too. I felt that I stood on the right ground, though, so I was a little bit more sure of myself. Like, how could they justify this? There was no way. It just seemed so black and white. But at the same time, I thought about, okay, what if they fire me? And I needed to provide for my family. That was the biggest thing at stake. Like, as a sole breadwinner, that was my responsibility. The month before, we had just moved into our first house, and we had been in an apartment before that. And so I felt like, well, am I going to cost my family much more than it's worth? And I was a little bit naive, too, because I didn't understand how long the courts take with things like this. And I thought it would be a lot sooner. And it's been years and years. Six years and counting, to be exact. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right now, we're in 2012. And Aileen has decided that she's going to sue the Fresno County Office of Education for gender discrimination and violation of the Equal Pay Act. But as you probably know, this legal stuff is molasses. It moves very, very slow. About a year and a half later, in February of 2014, Aileen officially filed her complaint in court. Nine months later, in November, depositions began. And you know what also happens in nine months? Yeah, that's right. Aileen's third daughter, Lydia, was born. I was on maternity leave, and I was going to my depositions when she was, like, I think five weeks old. And I hadn't returned to work yet, so I was going to the depositions and... And I remember being angry then because I, I felt like I should be home with my daughter, but I was at depositions. And that that was another thing that I I thought about, you know, was this worth it? Look at what's at stake, bonding with my, my new infant, and here I am in depositions. Aileen not only had to be at her own depositions, but she also had to sit across from her colleagues while they were deposed. And that made things awkward. I felt supported at first, I think very early on. I let my colleagues know that I was filing a lawsuit so they didn't hear it secondhand. But when the media got a hold of it, then attitudes changed when NBC showed it on the nightly news. Aileen Rizzo is a math consultant. She helps teachers teach math for the Fresno County Office of Education. You are in a fight for equality. Yes. If someone had told you a couple years ago you would be doing this, what would you have said? I wouldn't have believed it. I really wouldn't. Rizzo is the first in her family to go to college and has two master's degrees. But one day, a new... Then people got really uncomfortable. The thought is that I'll never catch up. On average, women make 77 cents to every man's dollar. The and I probably it became the elephant in the room. Like, no one wanted to talk about that. Some people didn't want to talk to me. Gradually, it would become a difficult work environment where I think after depositions that that made it even worse because I was sitting across the table and it was almost I was putting my coworkers on like on edge and putting them through something that they felt really uncomfortable about so it just 
it just gradually became harder. You know, when I had my second daughter, I was at the county office. I was given like a shower, a lot of gifts, uh, you know, I think normal kind of things when, you know, you have a coworker who has a baby. When um, I had my third daughter, I didn't even get a card. So that was a big indication of where I stood and where the relationship was. Hmm. It, it made a job that I loved. It kind of soured it. But Aileen stuck it out because she started to think of herself in a new way. I realized when I walk into the classroom and girls see me as a mathematician, I'm not what they probably pictured, but I look like them. And I show them what they can be. So, you know, my own frame of thought was changing about what it meant to fight stereotypes and why that was so important. So I think that's why I stayed there so long, even though I was going through these difficult relationships in the, in the workplace with coworkers, I was willing to endure that because I was realizing the role that I played. After depositions... The county office tried to get the case dismissed entirely. They did this by claiming that Aileen's case had no merit and was not worthy of a full trial. Now, the technicalities of the case sound complicated. I know it's trigonometry to me, too. But the bottom line is this. When a company is hiring an employee, can they use the employee's prior salary from their last job as a factor to determine their starting salary at this new job? Legally, we know you can't pay people differently based on sex. The Equal Pay Act of 1963 made it illegal to pay men and women different wage rates for equal work. But the question at hand is, can you pay people differently based on their previous salary? And of course we were saying that Women have historically had low wages. Using prior salary perpetuates the wage gap. Therefore, it shouldn't be used to base someone's salary. And um, the Equal Pay Act was written and passed so that the wage differential between a man and a woman would be alleviated. If you're saying you can pay a woman less because she was making less, you're using the very cause to justify breaking that law. And the judge actually sided with us and said that that using prior salary was very risky for a lot of reasons, and he agreed that the case should go forward. So when he agreed, the case should have gone to trial. But, but I told you it was going to be a long fight. But the judge asked my employer, do you plan to appeal the case after it goes to trial? And they said yes. Okay, folks, get comfortable. So he sent it to something called an interlocutory appeal, which bypasses the, the trial by jury and goes straight to the next court higher, which is the Ninth Circuit Court. Now, I'm no Nina Totenberg, but I've heard of the Ninth Circuit. You know, it always comes up in the news. It's actually the largest and one of the most persuasive of the 13 courts of appeals. It covers a bunch of the Western states. So in March of 2016, the county office did, as they promised they would, appeal to the Ninth Circuit. But like I said earlier, these things don't move quickly. Add one more year. We had to wait about a year to get another appointment for the Ninth Circuit. And then we finally got that and we had oral arguments. And this time, 
a panel of three judges on the Ninth Circuit sided with the county office. They, in essence, said you could pay a woman less if she was making less because of a previous case between Allstate and an agent where they had used prior salary as one of the factors to base a woman's salary. We looked into this Allstate case. It was from 1982. You know that time 36 years ago when women were treated great in the United States. (laughs) Anyway, at that time, the Ninth Circuit ruled that prior salary alone could constitute a factor other than sex under the Equal Pay Act. So now, in March 2017, the Ninth Circuit again held this opinion. And in doing so, they ruled in favor of the Fresno County Office of Education against Aileen. Not only would Aileen not receive equal pay for equal work, she wouldn't even be granted the trial. I wonder... In moments like that, how Aileen had it in her to keep going. I mean, this had turned into a five-year battle. It was time-consuming, exhausting, expensive. Were the legal fees a burden? Oh, definitely. At first, those were worse because we had to pay retainer fees up front. Did the fees ever become more expensive than the amount you were fighting in your salary? (laughs) Did that ever happen? (laughs) That's already passed. I mean, I'm I'm paying monthly <laughs> payments to for legal fees still. How much total time you think was spent? Oh wow, I don't know. I mean, I think every day since that July 31st date, I was carrying a burden. I was carrying an extra burden around that that I still really am carrying because I don't know what's going to be the end of this story. But that alone takes a lot of energy. And that alone has taken sacrifice to do. And some days that burden is really heavy. And some days it's just that gnawing burden that you just have on the side that you still realize is there. Did you ever give up hope at any point? I think several times I thought that this was a battle I couldn't win. Yeah. It was an avenue, though, that I started advocating for pay equity bills in California in um That work, I think, was part of the encouragement that I saw going forward, like even if I lose. If I could use my story to make stronger bills in California, then that was worth it because having to pay retainer fees, you know, a lot of women cannot do that. Those women, they probably just stay there and get underpaid or they go find another job. So I realized that my case was not about me. It was about all the women getting unfair pay and how 40% of households depend on the woman's paycheck. And so when women are paid fairly, then families are strengthened. So that work was part of something that propelled me going forward that helped me in those moments where I did feel discouraged or just was waiting for the next step in my own legal journey, that I was doing something about it. Was your husband supportive during this time as well? Oh, he's been an absolute, the biggest supporter ever since the beginning. He told me at the beginning, he's like, do you want to tell your girls you fought or you didn't fight at all? He said, because even if you tell them you fought and lost, you still fought. Without him, I don't think I could have, I could have done it alone. And, and his support with travel and taking care of the girls and 
being my encourager and literally, and you know, when I was at night crying, comforting me and telling me that tomorrow would be another day and I could, I could find the strength to, to face whatever was going to come. You're listening to a special presentation of The Trouble with Shannon Kaysen on Nerdette. The conclusion of this story in a minute. So we left off in March 2017. The Ninth Circuit ruled in favor of Aileen's employer, stating that you can, in fact, use prior salary to base an employee's salary. So when that happened, then the case went pretty national after that. Aileen Rizzo was four years into her job as a math teaching consultant for Fresno County, California, when she found out a new male hire. All these advocacy agencies and organizations across the nation were very upset with that ruling. Rizzo's case prompted congressional delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton, representing Washington, D.C., to introduce federal legislation banning employers from asking about prior salary information. Holmes says her because in essence, then anyone could pay a woman less, just say she was making less before, and then you could pay her whatever you wanted. So all these organizations signed on, ACLU and AUW in Washington and California, and, and many others, and they said, we want this case to be reheard. And so the Ninth Circuit agreed to rehear the case, this time in bank, which means that there was 11 justices now who would all hear my case. And so... We had to wait, of course, another year to get the rehearing, and then it got us a date, which was this past December. On December 8th, it went in front of a full 11 justices and oral arguments to talk about my case and to decide what they were going to do about my case, where they were going to overturn it or they were going to agree with the previous three justices. About four months later, Aileen was at work one day, at a new job actually. She had recently left the county office when she got a phone call. It was on Monday, April 9th, 2018, nearly six years since Aileen had sat at that lunch table, horrified and shocked at what she had heard her male colleagues say. I was at a preschool in the classroom waiting for the transition to the next classroom, and uh, I picked up my phone to look at it, and I saw that I had missed a call from my lawyer. And we were waiting any day now for the, the decision, because the oral arguments had happened in December, so we had been waiting months already. And so I ran out of the classroom and called him, and, and uh, he told me the news. And what was that news? We've been waiting for this moment. Well, on April 9th of this year, the NBank Ninth Circuit Court decided that you cannot use prior salary to base someone's salary in that you can't use it to justify a wage differential. And that it couldn't even be one of the factors. And so they actually not only overturned the three justices in my case, but they overturned that previous case that was used to justify it. So they, they went even farther than we expected what that means for all the women who live in the Ninth District and all these states is that your prior salary can't be used against you anymore. What did you feel in that moment? 
it just felt great to um, be part of history, to be part of changing the world for the better, and that um, that all that sacrifice was worth it. Wow, that's a huge feeling. You know, uh, to be a part of history. It is. It's it's overwhelming. And you said changing things for the world. That's a that's a heavy. That's not a feeling people have every day. I've changed things for the world. I'm a part of history. From that, that's that's an amazing feeling. It is. You went back to the classroom to continue yeah. to work there. <laughs> I, went back. I tried to keep. I tried to keep working. I told my colleague because she knew what was going on, and she just like gave me a hug, and we kind of celebrated. And wow, it was just an amazing feeling. It was an incredible moment, but it's not quite over for Aileen. While the Ninth Circuit ruling says that employers can no longer discriminate based on prior salary, it doesn't address the details of Aileen's case. It just means that Aileen's lawsuit is at last justified, and she can finally have her day in court. The courts have issued that my case should go back to trial, that now a jury should decide my reward and the pay that I've lost and the back pay on that. But if they appeal, and um, they've said publicly that they will, and if it's appealed, it will go to the Supreme Court, then the story keeps going and we don't know what will happen. Are you going to continue to fight? I am. I am. I, I, I don't know any other way now. <laughs> and so maybe it's time for someone to take it that far. Maybe the, the time is right for that to happen. Going back to when you were riding home and then you got to your door and looked at your daughters, how important is this for your daughters? And do they understand? I think it's so important for, for my daughters. I think what what has impacted them the most, I think, is how long it's taken. So my youngest daughter is now three. This has been all of her life. My other daughters, though, see how long it's been, how many times we've traveled to places. And they've asked me several times, they're like, does it really take this long to just get equal pay? And I think that's a question so many women are asking across the country. Does it really take this long? We've been waiting over 50 years for the Equal Pay Act to work. And sitting around waiting for something to work isn't the way we solve problems. I mean, it's not the way a mathematician solves problems. It's not the way anyone should be solving problems. And so we're trying to be purposeful. We're trying to address it. And sometimes it takes a lawsuit and sometimes it takes advocacy work in your own state when Congress or Washington, D.C. won't move on something. So it's going to be a big impact in their future if we can keep moving forward. I think I know this answer from our conversation. (laughs) I I, I would say I kind of got a feeling, but I'm going to ask anyway. Was it all worth it? (laughs) Oh, yes, without a doubt. And it's been all worth it. Yeah.
After talking to Aileen, one question kept ringing in my head. How can you use an unequal past and expect it to lead to an equal future? Doesn't make sense. I'm no mathematician. English was my favorite subject. But that math doesn't add up. And that's my last math pun for the day. Shannon, that was a really good episode. Thank you so much for doing it and for bringing this to our attention. I wonder, what was your big takeaway after talking with Aileen about all this stuff? My takeaway from it was uh, that she she fought for what she believed in. I mean, many times you have a, you have a feeling and it's a, like a discord in you. And many times you let it pass. Because whatever's in your mind and you don't want to cause a fuss or you don't want to cause a stink or you don't want to feel uncomfortable. But she actually fought through that feeling Mm -hmm. to go for something that she knew what was right. Right is right. And many times we'll talk ourselves out of right is right. And she actually made the right decisions to fight for it. Yeah, I think that's the thing that keeps sticking with me is the idea that like it's the person who's being oppressed who also has to deal with the burden of fighting for what's right. You know what I mean? Like even she talks about how like how many other women before her I'm, you know, had noticed that they weren't getting paid mm-hmm. as much, but who felt like they couldn't do anything about it. And how it really does yeah. take that person to be willing to you know, go into debt to hire lawyers, to fight these fights, to not spend as much time with their kids as they want to, to be able to make change that's positive for everybody else too. And I think it gives a, it's like a switch. It's like a switch over to when it's about you. And then at some point it switches over till it's about the principle, you know, it's principles to this, you Uh know, And, and, and sometimes when you fighting for something, sometimes I'm fighting for myself, but then at certain points I'm like, nah, it's, it's principles to this. This can't, this can't happen because of the principle, not so much me. And I think hers switched over to it was a fight for just what is right. You know? Yeah. I think that was actually probably the most powerful moment in the episode. And I want to listen back to it because it was so good. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. It's that moment when it was personal and then all of a sudden it's, it's about principles. I thought about what I would be risking if I try to do something legal. Could they get upset and I could lose my job and then I'd have to find another one. Should I just take the initiative of finding another job first? Either, either that or I would have to just stay there and accept that reality that I was going to get less money for the same work. But I remember when I got to my door and um, my girls ran to the door and uh, they, they greeted me like they did every day, except that day I remember thinking, what, what if this was them? What if, what if it was them getting paid less for the same work when they, when they had already worked so hard in their field? I think that was the first time I considered that the choices I made as a mother and as a woman in the in the workplace 
would affect other children or other girls and my own daughters. So I think that that moment for me coming home really solidified that I was going to fight this because I knew that if I didn't, that the world I left to them would treat them the same way. Man, just hearing the emotion in her voice as she's describing that, too, is just so powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's funny. Like, every every show of The Trouble, I uh, it's like certain things that have points in my personal life, you know. And I talk to my wife about it a lot. Like, even with this story, Aileen's story, my wife's salary brought home the bacon for a little time in our life. You know, I I wasn't working and I had unemployment, unemployment had ran out and the wife was, was pretty much her paycheck was what we, what we spent. And it isn't extra money. You know, it isn't extra. A woman's work is, is just as important as a man's work. And in her, in her household, she was the breadwinner in our household. Her, her, her husband was, was, I believe a student. So, that's one of the biggest points for me because I can relate to it very much. If my wife, she deserves to be making what she's worth and I deserve to be making what I'm worth mm-hmm. and it makes for a better household uh, for everybody. Did you listen to this with your wife? Yeah, yeah. She she listened. We listened multiple times. What was, did you guys talk about it? Like what was that conversation like? She felt the same way. I mean, that she was happy that Aileen fought through the discomfort of being isolated at work to fight for what was right. So my wife's, um, at first she was, she was like, I, are you telling this story? <laughs> you know, cause it's, 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 and I'm like, yeah, I can, I can, I know it's, I, you know, it, it relates to everybody because I, I feel like, um, we all have to stand up for one another. Mm-hmm. You can't just have women talk about women's stories, black men talk about black men's stories. We have to relate across different things of what we are, you know, mm-hmm. and understand who we, we're all people and what's the right thing to do in certain situations, which I know that's uncomfortable at times. So for me, like, knowing that it's not necessarily my story, but it's a story that relate. I have a wife, I have a mother, I, I, I grew up single mother, I have a wife, I have a wife, you know, so all these things, they relate to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that, like, I think it goes back to is that whole thing about the burden too, right? And, like, it shouldn't just be on that one person who feels like something was done mm. unjustly to them, right? Because we should all be like, hey, that's not cool. How can we help, yeah. you know? And as much as we do kind of look out for each other and make sure that we are standing up for each other, even if we are different, because we're different, you know? Like, I think that's mm-hmm. when, like, the good stuff starts to happen, right? Exactly. That's, 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 that's powerful. Yeah, that's important. Shannon Kaysen, thank you so much for sharing this episode with us and for chatting a little bit. It was really fun to to get to know you a little better. Thank you so much for, for sharing it with your listeners. That means the world to me. 
When you come to Detroit, I get you a Coney dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've never been to Detroit. I would love to come visit. Oh, uh, you got to come. Come All on right. out. Cur- perfect. I'll hit you up. <laughs> cool. Nerdette is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Bobita, and our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. Our intern is Sophie Lalonde. The episode of The Trouble with Shannon Kaysen that you just heard was produced by Candace Mattel-Khan. Subscribe to Nerdette and The Trouble on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on NPR One or listen in the WBEZ app. And it is super helpful if you leave some stars for us on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Josh underscore KG for the review. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerd at Podcast. We have a newsletter. We put cool stuff in it. You're probably going to like it. You can sign up for it at wbez.org slash nerdsletter. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Instead of saying do your homework, I'm going to tell you to ask for a raise. Just do it. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.